Well, boys, how you guys doing? Doing incredibly doing well. How are you doing, Tony? Good. good, good. We had the Blue Ox last week up in Moorhead. 36 Bantam teams. Uh, as you guys remember, Bantams is kind of a, a weird age. It's not high school hockey. And they're not peewees and squirts anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so they're, they think between. they're adults, but they don't know how to act like adults. Yep. So you remember <laughs> those days. It was it was good. A lot of suspensions, a lot of game misconducts kind of stuff. They're still kind of trying to feel out their bodies. But yep. uh, Moorhead wins, and uh, uh, Edina, your boys win the, the, the A. They brought their A team up. We had an A-only tournament up there as well. That's so. exciting. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. Any, so, uh, any uh, superstars stand out? Um. Well, Kid had a hat trick in the third period. To uh, Rogers was winning two to one. He had a hat trick in the third period. Natural, so yes. natural hat. Wow, hero. Zach Zimmerman, not Zechariah. Nice. Yeah. Zachary <laughs> Zimmerman. Uh, he uh, he uh, just went crazy in the third period. Wow. So got awesome. the MVP trophy. Got the interview on YHH afterwards. Yeah. Oh the, my the, God. All the goodies <laughs> that come with you know that. So Congratulations, Zach. Pretty cool. That's awesome. Pretty cool. And it's neat. I mean, it was in, in Moorhead, and Moorhead wins. So you know, mm-hmm. there's two, three hundred kids. Mobbing him after the game, right. you know, coming off the ice after. Yeah. It was oh my cool. gosh, it's cool stuff. Cool yeah. stuff. It is a lot of cool. Stuff. It's awesome. So, uh, Kendall, you had an awesome open idea was to talk a little bit about Mitchell Miller. What's gone down with him? And yeah. um, do you want to maybe give some background of those who don't know who Mitchell Miller is and and what that's going on? Because there's so many. When you peel, there's so many layers to this onion. I'd love to just spend a couple minutes on it. Yeah. So you know. Mitchell Miller, what was drafted, I think, uh, was 2019. Yep, uh, by the Arizona Coyotes. Yep, uh, and pretty high draft pick, um, I think. And, yeah. Uh, and so, good player. Um, and then, I guess, you know, f- when he was 14, ran into some trouble um, with the issue of bullying. and it happened Like, like to, to a tenth degree. To yeah, tenth degree. yeah this I is, can't downplay This isn't like, yeah. this is bad. Yeah, so... Yeah, he was, I guess, picking on, you know, a person of color, which, you know, in the scheme of things, doesn't matter. He was also disabled. Um, and, you know, I guess this continued. It wasn't a, you know, one-off. Was, this continued on for months or, you know, maybe even a year or so. Um, and then, you know, Arizona is not doing well. Uh, and, you know, Bross and Bruins, you know, want to pick him up. And sign a contract, which they did, or were in the process of doing. Uh, and then, like we were talking about, the you know the NHL vetoed that. It so. was amazing. So, so Mitchell Miller actually he was committed to North Dakota. Okay. And when it came out, all of this about his bullying. And now this isn't just bullying, like hey, third hand, like bullying to the point where it got to the court system. Bullying, right. like that yes. is some serious yes. stuff, right? It wasn't yeah. children being children, right? right. No. It was he was in systematic. Grand Forks, Anthony. Yep. When this all came out, yep. So he was enrolled at <laughs> I remember school. That, <laughs> You're gone, right? So yeah. he was gone from yeah. North Dakota. Um, the the Coyotes relinquished their rights to him, mm-hmm. and then he spent a year without hockey. Yep. Uh, twenty twenty one, twenty to twenty one, and then in twenty one twenty two last year, he returned to Tri City in the USHL and became the USHL Player of the Year. Yeah. yeah. Now they're all the all the rage is now that some college teams are going to pick him up, and three mm-hmm. or four different times, it got to the point where they were going to. He was going to sign an NLI, and the all schools just said no. So he's right. kind of been blackballed, for the lack of a better term, yeah. right. from yeah. college hockey. And now the Bruins, as you talked about, Kendall, yeah. signed him to a contract, mm-hmm. and uh, the NHL vetoed it. Yep. And it, it brings up a lot of interesting questions about, you know, his, his agent, when I came out and I think made a lot of mistakes there. We'll talk about Eustace King made some mistakes there and um and and he got shut down again. Yeah. And here he is. So so what it's the magic question. Do you a mistake you make when you're 14 years old last does that last forever? Yeah, that's that's the hard thing. You know, I I don't think so. But again, it kind of comes back to the how remorseful like are you remorseful for your actions or are you just you know, what I some of the things I read is like he walked through the steps, you know, that were laid out for him to do that he had to do, and that was the extent of you know his thing. He didn't do anything above and beyond, 
to yep. you know show his remorse. So you know that's that's kind of thing that is tricky because if you're forced to do something, it's kind of like uh, Kyrie Irving. You know he's getting a lot of heat because he apologized, but you know people are saying, well, you're forced to do it, so like. You know, does it really it, mean anything? It was kind of like forcing to say sorry to your brother after you smashed him over the head, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Say Something you're sorry. Like that, yeah, say you're yeah. sorry. Say <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what it is. What was interesting is when I, when I made, uh, let me qualify what I said about Eustace King, mm-hmm. great agent, one of the best in the business. He went out and said he's done all of these things. And then someone posted his the court records, like, well, the, all of the things that he listed were actually court ordered. Right. Like, right. then he really didn't. And yeah. the thing is, and I want to throw this at you guys. If, in fact, he, uh, we want to know if he was remorseful or not. That's everybody wants to No one knows that, yeah. right? Uh, number two, um, has he tried to apologize to somebody? Because his family's been really, really anti-Mitchell, right? Like, mm-hmm. they haven't been accepting of anything. Has he tried to apologize and if they refuse to? And I, and I stand on this. If he's tried to apologize to this, to his classmate and mm-hmm. the, they refuse the apology then i think mitchell miller should be free to do whatever he wants to do he's tried mm-hmm. everything he could right. if he hasn't and i'm sure he has by now i mean he's got an he's got a career with he's gonna be without a career without a college education because of right. this mistakes what yep. do you guys think anthony kendall yeah i i think so i mean if you've done everything you can like you said to reach out and, and done above and beyond to get you know not make amends, but, you know, apologize and, you know, show your remorse, then you should be able to, you know, move on. You know, it's always going to be, it's always going to be a part of you. You know, that story is not going to go away. But, you know, you should get a second chance, I believe. Anthony? Yeah, I think second chances are really big. The question we have to ask, right, is is what Mitchell Miller did, um, you know, does it broach the level of, this follows you for the rest of your life and it needs to be something that you, you suffer from for the rest of your life, you know, because there are people who do commit crimes when they're younger, um, who, you know, unfortunately that, that crime, um, you know, just because you were young and you committed that you've, you know, you've done that in discretion that that will follow you for the rest of your life. Now, kind of, again, is that something that he did one, two, if it is not to that level, then has he done the proper steps unforced, you know, by the court or anything, but just because he felt like it was the right thing to do from the pureness of his heart to then reconcile with that family. And, you know, if those questions are all no and yes, right, then, you know, that that's something I think that we need to then let this young man get on with his life and know that, um, you know, and let other people, let him be an example to other people, right, that this is why you don't do this, this is why it's inappropriate, this is why... Um, you know, this will follow you for the rest of your life and you need to make better decisions and you should want to be a better person. But if you can't find it in your heart to want to be a better person, then be a better person because the comp- the implication that um, you will be left with in life is that you will be a person who is blackballed and you cannot find yourself um, having a career whenever you want to have it in. So, well, tell me about the guest today. Tell me about this young oh man. I'm gosh. excited to hear this. <laughs> Our guest is incredible. Um, yeah, we have Zechariah of Swift Hockey coming on. This is a 19-year-old phenom, business phenom, was a hockey phenom, played in the QMJHL before deciding that it was time to follow his passion in business and create uh, less expensive hockey sticks, in particular for uh, you know lower-income families to be able to play the sport that they love without having to break the bank. So just incredibly excited uh, to have to have our guest on and uh, looking forward to, to what they have to say. I yeah. want to watch you try to pronounce his last name one more time. This is like, <laughs> <laughs> let's hear it, Anthony. Try it. try it. Throw it out there one more time. Um, you know, I, Are you losing video now too? No, no. I was going to try to look at, uh, trying to get it phonetically up, <laughs> you know, like, um, <laughs> I really threw him there. Yeah, I was like curveball right <laughs> over the plate. Knock, yeah. he couldn't swing and miss it that one. Yeah, so no, exactly. Well, while you, while you look up the phonetics, let's kick off the show. Looking forward to another great show here. Yes, sir. I can do what I wanna and make you a believer. Here you say I. From steady in the street corner, I make you a believer. Make you say I. I can do what I want. 
Zechariah's last name is his last name is not phonetically hard. It's Thomas, um, but just uh, <laughs> Zechariah Thomas. We have our guest here. We're so excited. Cannot uh, be more excited, and am very interested to hear how you came up with the name of Swift Hockey. So Zechariah, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Awesome. Oh, we are so excited to have you here, brother. Appreciate it. I hope you all didn't mind that little open there. Uh, you know, really quick, uh, what, are your, what are a few of your thoughts on the whole Mitchell Miller situation? Yeah, it's a really tough situation. Uh, it's, it's sad almost. I hate, like, I'm really against, obviously, bullying and especially and black kids dealing with that and what he had to deal with throughout growing up through just elementary school, which is really sad. It's a really sad story. Yeah, uh, kind of, again, could not agree more. And, uh, you know, we look forward to to knowing how that, you know, plays out. And, um, you know, as we said, it's, uh, you know, some things, right, deserve to follow you for the, you know, the rest of your life. But other times, you know, maybe, maybe um, you know, reconciliation is is the right right way to go. So um, do you, we're going to jump right into this interview. So what is your background? You're, you know, obviously you're, you're Canadian. You've started this company. But, um, you know, how, what is your background? How did you get to Canada? How did you get playing hockey? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so basically growing up, um, I was moving around. My parents started living in Whitby, Ontario. It's like another small town. Then we moved to Oshawa at the age when I was 10 years old. And I don't know if you know Oshawa too much, but Oshawa is uh, the home of the Oshawa Generals and the OHL. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Very cool. Is that your team growing up? Yeah. So they were obviously it's a really big hockey city, and as soon as I got there, like elementary school, everybody was playing hockey and kind of just just yards and whatever. Everybody's wearing the Oshawa Generals gear, and it was just such a big overall thing. So I had to kind of step my foot in it. I had no choice. <laughs> What what age did you start hockey? Was it a little later, or were you pretty young still? Yeah, I was a little. Late. I started hockey at eleven. Oh, okay, that's so, awesome! Yeah. Wow, yeah, we've we've had some people. Uh, there was a uh, young uh, a woman who started when she was thirteen, and a college coach now, and uh, you know played played incredibly high level hockey. And uh, so yeah, late late starting. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we're figuring out here. I think in <laughs> Minnesota we have this misconception that you have to be yeah, like you know three, three <laughs> four, five years old and getting on skates before. You know, there's yeah, really exactly. any, uh, any chance to, uh, you know, ex- excel at it. So, wow, that is that is so cool and uh, love love hearing that. What do mom and dad do? Uh, my, my mom's a personal trainer, which was a little bit nice growing up, trying to get high in hockey levels. Oh, yeah. And a nutritionist. Yeah. And then my dad does uh, security cameras and alarm systems. Sweet. That is awesome. Yeah, definitely know that your mom kept you in shape and probably eating right and uh, and all that. So, uh, you know, we <laughs> yeah, understand that always. you uh, played, started playing at 11, and um, you kind of said, right, like, you know, other other kids were, were doing that, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, like, is that, you know, why you got into it, or, you know, is there more of an even deeper story there? That was, that was most of the reason. It was just kind of growing up in a uh, – predominantly white area I was trying to kind of fit in a lot and that was kind of the way to fit in and I've never really loved any sport like my parents put me through soccer basketball and I was never really never excelled at any of them (laughs) and as soon as I got to hockey is the only one that kind of clicked you you touched on uh you know you're in a predominantly white area was you know growing up was there any other you know kids of color um, you know, other teams that had kids on there that you played against or you played with? Not really. So growing up, I had um, like two of my close friends where the two only probably, there wasn't too many black people in the city at the time. Mm-hmm. And then the only two people I had were black kids on my hockey team that I grew up with, two of them. And that was kind of, it was about maybe five, ten in the league, in the whole league at the time. Okay. Yeah, wow. That is in a little bit about uh, Kendall and I. Kendall, kind of the same thing, started skating, you know. Kendall was earlier than you, but the people in the neighborhood were going down to the park. Kendall wanted to skate. Um, you know, for myself, I saw my brother um, who saw some other people wanting to skate, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, representation, you know, matters. And wanting to fit in and, you know, belonging in that kind of group, uh, 
I know for a fact, like I, I completely understand that. I think I think Kendall does as well. Yeah, definitely resonate with that, hundred percent. Ah, so uh, you know, so so funny. So, what is your favorite part then about hockey? You talked about playing other sports, right? Same same here. I played almost every other sport. I think you know Kendall did as well. But here we are, all settled on hockey. All you know, three young black men. Um, you know, and as you mentioned as well, right? We don't uh, see ourselves represented as much in hockey, or at least especially not at the time when we were younger. So. How did how did you end up settling then on that? What is it about hockey? Just just the love of the game. Like it was, it's always been. I've had such a major love for the game near the very start of me actually touching a stick. And the way I've excelled at the sport and became and got to the levels where I'm at is just kind of surreal. And growing up, I was always a little bit better than a lot. And it was really good for my mental state when compared to me playing soccer at a young ages where I was one of the worst on the teams. And then <laughs> I finally found something where I was a lot better at. I love That's that. <laughs> yeah. Did you, what did then, what was your first hockey memory? What do you, the first thing you remember about being on the ice, picking up that stick? Yeah. So I started actually, so my parents put me in figure skating first, like figure skating lessons. So <laughs> that's awesome. I could get. So I, I obviously I won't forget that because I was the only male on the ice at the time. <laughs> How did but your family? That, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. How did your how did your yeah, family because uh, you're Jamaican, so right? You played on Team Jamaica for the HPOC tournament. How did your family end up in Canada? Um. Yeah, but my. Both my parents were actually born in Jamaica. Awesome. And then at young ages, my mom moved back into Canada. Her whole family picked up at around three, four years old. And then my dad was a bit older, around 14. It was just kind of to find a better life and kind of change, like get better jobs. Like their parents, my, my grandparents, kind of find better jobs and better opportunities. Is there a, is there a large... Uh you know, population of, like, Jamaican descent people, like, you know, where you're from in Canada? Sorry, what did you say? Is there is there a large population of, uh, like, Jamaican descent people in, like, your area of Canada? Yeah, actually, I, I tend to notice a lot, and maybe it's just because they're a bit more, everybody's a little bit more outgoing, and they mm-hmm. praise Crazy Jamaican flag a lot, but right. I can know it's actually good about Jamaican. Oh, I love that That's there's awesome. a meme, brother, that I saw that was a Jamaican man in a barber shop wearing a Jamaican flag, and then somebody was like, you know, and then he looks over and goes, How'd you know I was Jamaican? And <laughs> so yeah. just kinda like you said, right? That 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 pride. I honestly love that. And um that Jamaican pride, um, was what led me to get a DNA test and find my biological family because I wanted to know if I was Jamaican, I'm not Jamaican. I was going to say, I that, didn't know you're Jamaican. Yeah, no, I'm not. Oh, no, okay. I, I found that out. But, like, um, that is why I did it, right? Because I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I I just got to know if I'm Jamaican because, like, you know, because I'm not, like I said, I'm an adopted person. I didn't know my background. And so when I yeah. saw, you know, I, I, like, I wanted to be Jamaican because of how much, uh, you know, Jamaicans love their culture. And so, yeah. So, anyway, I, you mentioning that just brings back all those memories of flood. So, that is that is yeah so cool. exactly. <laughs> I, I, I wish you guys could see my backyard right now. There's probably sixty Jamaican flags all over the place. That's that funny. is amazing. Oh my gosh! And that's that is so just. I um is is PK Subban Jamaican? Pernell Carl? Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. Exactly. So that he was literally my my guy growing up. Like I I loved mm-hmm. PK and all that. And I guess really quickly now, just with that with that in mind, like is there a uh, a large population in Jamaica, the the country that that likes hockey, or is it more of um, Jamaican Canadians and um, you know more of the of that Afro diaspora that that has gotten um, into the sport? It's a lot of just like Jamaican Canadians I've noticed, but the like it's growing a lot, especially in Jamaica. Um, so during the last game of that Team Jamaica tournament mm-hmm. in Florida. And Florida's like a big, like Jamaican descent country, and a lot of Jamaicans kind of end up the way in Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the, the crowd during the last game was uh, packed. They had the president, like the like the head of no Jamaica. Right. All right. 
Gosh, that is so cool. Oh my gosh. That is sweet. That is so cool. Okay. Very, very cool. So like who so I, I, I kind of just again myself mentioned PK who who just happened to, to again be Jamaican, but uh did you have anybody you looked up to uh playing uh when you were playing? Are you a forward, are you a D? Like does that necessarily matter on that style? But just was there any player that you really looked to maybe for character but also to, you know, mimic their, their style of play when you were growing up? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was, I'm was i a defenseman, a right-handed defenseman, so uh, Subban was a very <laughs> big, very big and very important to me, but my game was more for modeled around like the prime Eric Carlson. Okay. Yeah, oh that's, my gosh. It's not a bad role model. <laughs> yes, oh my gosh. No. Yeah, honestly, too, two, two Norris Trophy winners, too, right, right there. So, yeah, I mean, that... Yeah, could not exactly. go bad with you know could not go wrong with those two people uh, to model your game <laughs> after. Oh my gosh, that is incredible. So I do want to shift a little bit, um, just if if you're okay with that. Um, so like in Minnesota, high school hockey is is a bigger deal than in a lot of other places, and so a lot of people do opt to play high school hockey. I do understand that you are 19, so you probably have you know recently graduated and you were playing in the queue. Is that pretty normal for people that are your age or do you, is high school hockey a thing in your area or, you know, or were you just, as you kind of mentioned as well, you were at that skill level where it just made the most sense for you to, to join the queue from a young age. So high school hockey is like completely different. I know a lot about the Minnesota high school hockey and a lot of players actually move on to high levels from there. Mm -hmm. But the Canadian high school hockey is more so like, side program once a week okay okay so okay. like a house league almost. so I, it, it was definitely like playing i, I played on the teams like it was kind of like a i don't know how to explain like a side gig i guess mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah that makes a lot of sense and yeah you know we're so blessed to have that kind of uh, atmosphere in, in minnesota to have communities have that kind of buy-in to have people really get excited about it to have um, you know, grateful to have a, a an organization like the Wild open their ring to have the state tournament there for for everybody to come and you know eighteen thousand and have that televised statewide. So yeah, we're very blessed in in Minnesota to have such a great hockey culture. So um, from that high school level, so uh, definitely uh, understand though how if it were to be something more like you said of a park board um, at that high school level and you're only going once a week and yeah, that might not be the best for your development. Uh, could you, no, speak, not yeah, <laughs> yeah. Could you, could you speak a little bit then to just like the skill level of, of the queue? And, um, you know, the reason I guess I kind of say that again is just to showcase how, how talented you are. Um, and then, um, you know, f- for how tough that also must've been then to give that up to, to start business. But yeah, talk a little bit about just, you know, the, the skill level that it takes to play in the queue. Yeah, for sure. So, Growing up, um, I was on, nah, I don't like to say these type of words, but I was on not the best teams growing up. Like my team uh, had two, three wins. So it was hard for me to get good looks because a lot of scouts and that type of stuff didn't come and show their face to our game because it was mostly blowout games. Right. Wow. Okay. So, um, so growing up, I had to go kind of through the ladder of playing in almost all the leagues I've been in. Florida, Connecticut, and then also got moved uh, moved on to Brampton in the OJHL, like the Ontario Junior A League. Mm-hmm. So then after that, I kind of, my agent made a push for me to go to the Quebec League after I was doing better in the higher leagues. Like I kept moving up slowly. Yeah. But the skill level in the QMJHL is insane. Like I had a lot of guys on my team that, I've already played games in the NHL and who are signed to the NHL. And it was the big speed difference. And that's what I noticed, like growing, like moving on levels. It's all about skating. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. Uh, I had a a question real quick. Uh, I saw that you played in the the Fed. Uh, What teams did you play for or how long were you there? Yeah, so during, so I was in the Quebec League and then there was a major break, as you know, during outbreaks and 
Mm-hmm. It's actually was the longest break on hold. So then my agent sent me to the federal league and I was in uh, Watertown Wolves. Okay. So they were, it was, it was a good, it was a good program, but it was just a lot, a lot different type of hockey. It was completely different than when I was in the street. Yeah, but I, I was actually, I played in uh, Danbury for uh, probably about half a season or a couple months. So I, I noticed that and I thought I asked what, you know, where you, what you thought of that, but. Yeah, maybe I'll cross paths yeah, a little exactly. bit. That'd have been really cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, that'd have been awesome. What, uh, just from your perspective, uh, traveling around, what was it? Did was it a culture shock a bit having to um, be in the United States or living in the United States, being at such a young age? I know for myself personally that when I went to live in Canada when I was eighteen, nineteen, I naively thought, oh, it's going to be just like the United States. Oh, my gosh, the people speak English. And, you know, what? what is there to be different? And, you know, it was very different culturally and all that kind of stuff. But did you uh, – was there anything cultural shock that you've experienced having to move around? No, to be honest, I, I love the States. I made a lot of great connections. And especially my first year being away, I was in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad You're like, oh, this is, this is America. <laughs> yeah, I was – no snow and i i hate the snow a lot but that was probably the greatest experience but i don't know i I felt really loved throughout where i went and i ended up playing with a lot of canadians anyways yeah (laughs) i guess it happens in hockey yeah uh yeah okay so then you um you know pandemic happens i think right you know stuff slowed down and you found yourself uh looking to to do some other things so i do know that then you, you started swift hockey and Kind of again, I do want to know how that name comes in versus uh, Thomas or all that kind of stuff, and then also the idea of like what, uh, like, did that surprise anybody, right? Or have you always been the entrepreneurial type when you told your friends that, hey, I'm a very good hockey player, but I think I can make a bigger dent in the existence of time and space by being a businessman and you know trying to sell sticks that are less expensive? Did anybody? Uh, flinch? Did anybody think that that was out of pocket for you, or is that right where people expect you to be? Uh, to be honest, uh, it fit right in my wheelhouse. Like, as soon as <laughs> I was thirteen, I was I was selling everything. Like I got I got suspended a couple of like I was selling. I'd go to stores, buy like <laughs> two, and then sell them back at school. Like I, I got suspended maybe two times from just. Selling hats and gloves at school. That's funny, Mister Entrepreneur. So, yeah, I saw you. Yeah, I've always it have always been a big love. And then later, um, um, a bit before the pandemic, I started um, e-commerce. So I was trying to find ways because we're getting really bored at home, no hockey, no nothing. So I was trying <laughs> right. to find ways of stuff to do and how to make money at home. And I stumbled across e-commerce stores and drop shipping and a lot of stuff dabbled in everything and then i ended up sticking a lot with e-commerce ended up being very good and successful overall that is really cool so i do have another question i was gonna wait a little bit more to ask it but just because you kind of brought it up like how you're you know so you're 19 and you're um you know just out of high school all kind of stuff you're have not gone to college yet you might plan to do that i don't know but you know whatever you decide to do so but that being said, I mean, how, how did you learn all this stuff? You know, most people go to business school or, you know, they get a BA in business and they get an MBA and then they're starting a business. And here you are at age 19 and, you know, you're over, you know, 25,000 in sales we had talked about and all these kind of things and you were just killing it. So, I mean, where did you learn the business acumen? <laughs> to be honest, which everybody gets a little shocked by, I've learned every single inch of everything from YouTube. That yeah. is wow. That is really cool. Um, that crazy. is going in the description that you know you went to YouTube University. <laughs> um, you know, so my my friend always jokes about that. But I mean, to hear that is so extraordinary because you know, and I'm not here to argue the demerits or debate the merits of the you know of the school system. But here you are on again this person who has this burgeoning business. You're growing like crazy. Um, and you have learned everything via YouTube, via, 
you know, resources that are out there for the world that anybody can access. So that is incredible. It makes me rethink uh, my my college degree a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait a, wait a minute, Finlandia, <laughs> what's going on? There. <laughs> me as well. I'm like, wait a minute, no, that. <laughs> so, yeah, that is, uh, wow. You know, to hear that, again, and I'm not saying, I'm not knocking that. I'm, I'm more of just so impressed. And kind of, again, that is the world that we are living in, people. Yeah. The world is flat, right? You can talk to somebody that is living in India right now. You can talk to somebody that's living in West Berlin, Germany, right? Anything like that, Um, you know, anything, like in in real time and there is no excuse anymore for for not making your dreams come true and zek is a perfect example of that so uh were you ever apprehensive to make the decision to leave hockey to do this or was it just a no-brainer uh and you knew right away i i kind of knew right away um my bit like i I have a lot of businesses going even currently other than just Swift that are doing a lot extremely well and need a lot of maintenance on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a big decision. Even though they're all random online, I just kind of wanted, I had to make a decision where I wanted my head to be at completely. And yeah, I was getting to an age where I had to kind of make a decision Either though I'm going to follow my business passion or my hockey passion, I had to stick with business. I was I was going to ask. You know, you talked about your age. You know, I kind of relate a lot to your story because during COVID, you know, I had to stop. You know, I got sent home. I started my own business. You know, but I'm a lot, a few years older than you. You know, I still kind of got the itch to go back. You know, I know you have your businesses. You ever think about, you know, hiring people or getting other people to kind of help run things and and then maybe making a comeback to hockey, try to juggle both. Yeah, to be honest, it's, I I have I have about nine employees currently. Oh wow, okay, that's so cool. Do a lot of work for all of my businesses on a daily basis. Social media guys, I have shipping a shipping team and fulfillment customer service team that kind of help with all of the things. But yeah, yeah it's, it's been hard. I've been itching a lot every day to kind of get back into, I go skate with like U15 team sometimes mm-hmm. just to get my legs. So I'm not becoming slow just in case I do want to make some comeback eventually. <laughs> right. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you mentioned other businesses, so I do want to know, you know, more about that. Just, you know, what are they? And then also, what, how did you end up, Zachariah Thomas, how did you end up with the name Swataki? Yeah, so a couple of the other businesses I've started, uh, more so like the little bit businesses that you wouldn't really think of and you probably see on a daily basis, like the little toy stores and selling clothes, like wholesale selling clothing, and shoes and that type of stuff. I've been doing a lot of that, and I've sold a couple businesses. Um, yeah, that's that's mostly it. There's there's a lot of businesses I've ran and sold. Um, yeah, how'd you end yeah, up on the name of it. Swift? Yeah, for about the name of Swift, it kind of came about a little bit weird, and we were me and my team were thinking, sitting down and on a Zoom call, and really thinking about what. I was going to do because I had, I've had this idea of just creating Wataki for a long time, but getting a name, as you know, is really hard, especially for a brand that supposed to like be as big as I want it to be. Yeah. So I've just, yeah, I've really, so me and my team sat down and we're just kind of throwing ideas out for about three days. And then we wrote down the best five and we're kind of the one that, one of my partners said Swift kind of stuck. And I liked it too because I could market around like Swift shooting and Swift packing, you know what I mean? So, makes yeah. Sense. yeah makes <laughs> it's sense. got a nice little ring to it there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, how I know, uh, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, different, uh, you know, people kind of in the same lane of trying to make uh, cheaper sticks and, you know, make it you know, more accessible for people. What, what's kind of been some of the, you know, biggest challenges so far of, you know, in the process of doing what you're doing? Uh, the, the biggest challenges I've really had is just kind of 
staying completely on task and kind of figuring out the next push for my for marketing and trying to figure out why people keep buying these really expensive sticks even though i'm giving the same quality right brandon that's yep. kind of been that's like it's on it's on my whiteboard i can hold letters like well, why do people keep buying the bowers and the ccms for four hundred dollars even though my stick is the same weight the same like same specs and everything so Wow. And that I, I, you know, and I, you obviously, you know, know this from being the savvy business person you are, but we have branding, right. And it's building that brand and it's incredible how that is so important. Uh, so one thing I want to ask now a little bit is you talk about your team in quite a bit. How, how did you build your team? What do you look for in team members? Uh, how do you go about something like that? You have, Many businesses, they do very well. So you obviously have some insight in, in how to pick a good team. So how do you go about that? Um, it's, it's pretty hard. Like, I've had, I've had to go through many people at certain jobs and kind of figure out who's going to be the best. But I, I'm more of a people person. It's just people. Even if somebody can't do the job as well as the next person, it's kind of who I can connect to mm-hmm. on a daily basis. And I feel like it's going to be overall just a good person and they kind of understand the same vision that i have yeah that makes a lot of sense so i'm going to get into your business a little bit more here but before we do that what have your parents said about all this have they been supportive are they worried uh like what do they think about you dropping out of something that you've done for so long and been so good at to pursue a passion yeah, they were they were completely supportive of all of it. Um, they've always been supportive and helped me with my businesses near the very start when I did everything myself and shipping. My mom would come help me uh, pack pack items and that type of stuff. At when I was just first starting, so they've always been very supportive and they've kind of said I need to pursue this more because they see they really see the growth and they see the vision that I have too. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very important. It is. Actually, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's so important to have your parents on board. Honestly, though, I'm right. If, if they're not and you believe so passionately about what you're doing, keep going, then that's yep. keep going. But yes, that is that is great. And shout out to your parents for being so supportive. Supportive parents, you know, there's nothing better than, you know, having your family supporting the endeavors that you are so passionate about pursuing. That is amazing. What yeah, is that? Sure. I just had a conversation. Yeah, I mean, and great, and so, uh, yeah, that is so amazing that they're there to support you because, you know, without that, you know, th- entrepreneurship, right, it's hard. You know, there's ups and downs with every battle, and uh, my mom's mom always said this, and now my mom always says this, but what will we do without family, right? Yeah. Yeah. Need those people to support you. Exactly, yeah. and family, you know, means whatever family means to you, but what will we do without family? You know, I think it's such a such a great question. Uh so I do want to. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What what has yeah, been the my best? My parents both thing, um, like growing up, they were they were just trying to get. They got me in hockey to kind of keep me out of trouble, and <laughs> so I could stay focused on something else. And yeah. now they're really supportive because I got something out of their investment in my hockey. Yeah. For sure. Oh my gosh, so that is done. so cool because that is such a that is what we're really trying to do here as well. Uh, expand that game of hockey. And there's a lot of people that are in situations that hockey can only benefit them, helping them get off, you know, out of these situations, out of the house, off the street, um, you know, doing things that are productive, learning something, you're exercising, you're, you know, getting those endorphins going, you're in community, you're with a lot of people who are like-minded trying to accomplish the same goal as you. And uh, we'll kind of get to that a little bit later, like, you know, what, what hockey means to you and what you've taken from that now as you're, you know, more on the back end of it. But I got to ask back to the, back to Swift hockey, like what's the best part about owning your own business, running your own business, get into that a little bit. Yeah. So I love the kind of control and freedom I have, but especially with, with hockey, it's actually a very life changing movement because other companies I've had are not really, my brand, my product, and not really trying to do as much as like change the whole hockey industry. 
So I, I go to the local arenas and I see people wearing my apparel and using my sticks on ice. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's really, yeah, it's all really life-changing. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. What was that like the first time you walked into the rink and saw somebody using your stick and wearing your apparel? Yeah, so I was, so I started, um, like I was had the idea, the first stick came in when I was actually still playing hockey up in New York. So I, I was, my, my parents were helping me out a lot near the start, giving, giving sticks away, like giving sticks away to my ambassadors, my sponsors and that type of stuff. And then as soon as I got home, I ended up going to the rink for like just daily training. And I see a kid I've never, I've never seen before use my stick on the same ice as me. That's awesome. Wow. Did he know that you were the owner of Swift? No, not at all. That is so. Did you tell him? No, I didn't end up telling. That's even better. I mean, that's so cool. That's a testament to your character, man. That is cool. That would be a good chirp, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yo, (laughs) yo, buddy, nice stick. stick. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That is hilarious. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what has been the so you so you have grown so much since your conception. I I know that because I've I've spoken with you. But what what has that growth been like, and where will that growth continue? How do you plan to continue that rapid growth? Yeah, that's that's what we're working on. Like it's kind of like we we just we just got a collaboration with Nike coming. I think it's supposed to release today. I haven't talked oh. to my marketing team today. That's but I huge! Think- wow! Yeah. Wow, yeah. so cool. Um, also, yeah, also, so uh, I saw that you're, you know, getting into, uh, you know, a couple different, you know, schools or, uh, you know, big associations. What's kind of, what's that process like trying to get, you know, some of those, you know, associations or schools, you know, get wearing your brand? Yeah, or, it's, it's, it's really hard. That's um, that's kind of ideal for the brand growth, like, have in general, seeing yeah. – Kind of just the more you see the stick, the more it's going to do well for the brand, right? Especially right. something like this. But sort of those team deals and the wholesale deals are really massive for the company. Tell us a bit of how you got the Bowling Green deal. So that that's actually um, one of my. So I used to play when I was in Florida. One of my captains were. Um, we used to get, we were really close back in the day and then he ended up going to Bowling Green and then he became the captain there also. Wow. wow that's awesome. Then I made, uh, I made a call to him and asked him how I told him about my vision and he was really supportive about it overall. That is powerful. I love that. People helping people, you know, uh, like you said, just having that kind of community and having those connections is something that is so amazing with hockey and here you are right you know conceptualizing this business deal um with this person uh who you played hockey with right and the only reason that you're able to like have that kind of connection is because you played hockey with that person so that is that is so cool and again a testament to the kind of connections that you can make and keep in the sport that uh will serve you long after you have done long after you are done playing so what about the business side of it? Like, who are your mentors? Who do you look up to? Are you a big uh, Sean Carter, P. Diddy, like uh, Ray Dalio, uh, Mark Cuban? Like, uh, do, you, do you look up to those kind of people at all? And if so, who? And what kind of lessons do you not, take from them? Not really. Like the, only, like the only people I really looked up to are mostly my parents. My brother gave me my multiple support. Um. Yeah, that's that's mostly it. It's hard for me to look up to somebody like that because I haven't really nobody like I haven't found anybody that can really help me and on the same path I'm on, and it's a little different. Cause it's, I, this is all new. Like it's a new age of business. Yeah, the yeah. Oh, so. yeah. I that I could could not agree more. That and that's something I've been struggling with with some of my older associates who I, who I work with on, on stuff is that people are so stuck in this minutia and 
it's like, yo, the world is changing before your eyes. And yeah, rapidly. Rapidly. Like I had mentioned it earlier on this show, the world is flat. You can be communicating with somebody that is across the world in real time at any point of the day, and there is no excuse anymore for not, you know, allowing something to, to come to fruition that is your dream. So that is really cool. I'm glad that you said that. And, um, yeah, I think that's really important. I think it's important to point out that, right, you don't, you don't need to – be anybody right you don't need to be the next anybody you can be be yourself and i think that's really cool that that's what you are passionate about doing about being is is being that next person who is your own hero to look up to what advice uh, would you have then for young entrepreneurs right like i uh you know we can't all be as confident and bold, right? And I'm not saying that again in any other way other than that I respect that a lot, but like some other people might look to you, you know, as a as somebody for advice or somebody to look up to. What kind of advice would you have for them in that situation? You just gotta keep keep working. Like it's really hard to get in this type of thing without learning, especially learning off YouTube. You just gotta keep studying, keep doing research and just Kind of keep your head down and keep working. Yeah, there's a really quick. Sorry, just uh, because you mentioned that again, and that's so. I was gonna actually go another way. I didn't. I would, you know, didn't expect you. I would not expect. But when you said YouTube, right? Like I, I, you know, I thought maybe books or podcasts or something along the lines of that. But just do, are do any videos on the top of your head? You know, stick out any anybody on YouTube? Any personalities that off the top of your head that you recommend anybody check out? Yeah, so um, I've I watched a lot of uh, Graham Stephan. He's a big finance guy, um, and then that was that's the only guy I've really followed to a point where I've watched all of his videos. But everybody else is kind of like a one-two videos I watch. And then as soon as I started getting like my business started doing really well, I started having like I started reading books, kind of what to do with money. And where to where to place it and about taxes and all of that type of stuff. I started reading a lot of books on that. What is it about Grand Stefan and then um, you know maybe a one or two book titles as well? Just so you know, I, I feel the same way. But uh, you know, I, I I do feel as though uh, eventually, right? Like we're all we're all reading the same titles, but maybe there's you know something here that that you can bless the listeners with. Yeah. So uh, Grand Stefan is he's one of probably I think he's a big one of the biggest finance guys on youtube and he kind of he talks a lot about stock market and the way the world's kind of going recessions and kind of he talks about side hustles and that's kind of where i both first got into him he talked about side hustles for teenagers or mm-hmm. what to do as soon as you turn 18 and those are kind of good because it helped me build my credit and mm-hmm. that type of stuff he's really good at yeah yeah, and then if you just like a book title or two that you maybe off the top of your head that you remember reading, just for the listeners. Um, I've honestly I've read hundreds. I'm not hundreds, but I've probably read fifty books. And the biggest ones that kind of stuck out are probably the "Things Grow Rich" was pretty good. Yes, Napoleon Hill. And then "How to Win Friends and Influence People" was Dale also. Carnegie. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good one. I read too. Dale and Napoleon, uh, very, 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 very great people to to take lessons from. That is incredible. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, your story has resonated, you know. It kind of fits in a lot of, you know, what we've been talking about, and it's kind of a different lane because, uh, you know, we all had dreams and aspirations, you know, playing in the NHL or whatever through hockey, but it's kind of awesome to see that, you know, you – you've been able to, you know, find a whole different lane or career uh, still connected with hockey. So, you know, that's inspiring to, you know, young kids that, you know, you, you know, just because you don't make it as far as you want in hockey, there's a, you know, you can always find a different lane or a different, you know, path in hockey and still, still stay connected. So, yeah, stay awesome. connected and have a lot of self-worth, you know, to yourself as, as well, that you're not making it to, you know, the NHL is not does not mean that you as an individual, you know, there's anything lacking with you as a person or your character or anything like that as well. And that you being yourself and being a good person is, is always enough and that, that that carries 
into the world past, you know, the sport of hockey. So I uh, could not agree more and yeah. just love that. Again, you're doing this from the business side. You know, Kendall and I, just as Kendall was saying, we're, we're getting people of color, lower income, non-represented people into the game by a, a social revolution. You are yeah. doing it more from the business end of like, hey, there's a pillar of hockey that needs to be brought down and that's the expense of the sport. And if I can get people uh, to be able to afford these sticks, right, to be able to afford to get on the ice and really go out there and not have to worry about breaking it or, you know, not have to worry about breaking the bank, that that makes life a lot easier for people. They can relax a little bit more. They can have more fun playing the game. So just love, love what you're doing and love to, con- you know, see you continue to have your success. So uh, if uh, hypothetically, right, you and you had just mentioned – um, Nike, which is, oh my gosh, that is, that is so cool. And we don't have to get, you know, too much into that, like you said, but just besides them, or maybe it is, maybe it is them, but besides them, there could be one person, company that you would seek out their endorsement. Um, you know, who would that be? And if, they, you know, if they were listening to this, that, you know, reach out to you. Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, not, not really company or person, like, I would love, I'd love, love to have a uh, band on board with Swift Hockey. That would be obviously the biggest. Be, yeah. The biggest person. <laughs> PK, you heard it. You heard it, PK. <laughs> you got a fellow, yeah, fellow he, Jamaican he, he, brother he, he, out he, here he, trying to expand the he, game. So yeah, put it out there in the atmosphere. Put it out there yeah, in the atmosphere. Seriously, I, I would love that. That's why I asked you that. You never know. Seriously. And again, PK is, is um, I, I could not say enough good things about PK. And I think the league did him wrong. But. I'm so glad that, you know, he is a strong, confident person and is going to continue to bless people, you know, with his personality and, you know, ESPN and whatever he plans on doing next with the game of hockey. So, yeah, yeah for that's sure. amazing. We're no, we're no PK, but, you know, send, we'll get connected with you after this and send us some stuff and we'll definitely rock it. I work, yeah. at, <laughs> I'll, I work at a rink, so I'll, I'll make sure to wear it around and – you know, get you some exposure here in Minnesota. Yeah, a- amen yeah, to that. Sure. Kendall is uh, literally top-notch and uh, kind of, again, like well-known in the community and uh, is around the rink every yeah, day. Yeah, so all day, every day. day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is awesome. Where do you see Swift Hockey in the next five to ten years? What kind of expansion, uh, what kind of partnerships do you do you envision? Um, yeah, to be honest, um, not in the next year, but – about a couple months we're hoping to maybe get an office and a like a retail store kind of going and yeah awesome. hopefully i receive uh, a, a number of funding to kind of help me get the business exactly where i want it to be so we yeah. can get in the big stores the big local hockey stores to kind of make sure everybody knows we're available everywhere yeah. right now it's kind of an issue getting our stick because we're, we're sold out like sold out every Every time we release, we sell out in probably a couple of days at this rate. That's huge. Well, yeah, you definitely got some people on the ground here that are going to be, you know, working for your cause and talking to local sports stores about, you know, trying to get your stick in there to carry it. So definitely, uh, you know, keep on fighting the good fight. And, um, you know, that you got you got good people working for your cause here. So do you uh, plan on expanding Swift into other gear or is it just going to be uh, uh, sticks? So yeah, we have um, we have the goal stick coming probably in a month, about a month or so, and then I'm working on a couple other stuff. But it's a lot more legal work when it comes into the other items right. that I need to Safety kind of figure out. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're working. We have a, we have a skate in the works actually. Oh, that, but, that is cool! Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a that's a long, it's a pretty long, it's a much longer process. So have you heard of the pure the skates? No, I haven't. The pure skates, um, I believe they're pure, right? Have you heard? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. heard of them. Yeah. yeah, um, and yeah, they're like lower. You know, they're they're they're, they're supposed to be for pe- like made very well, but used. Um, uh, they're a lot less expensive. So, I mean, yeah, just, you know, kind of, again, with that, with that idea of trying to create a skate that is affordable. And I love, again, what you're, what you're going to do with that, you know, looking at it from like a Stephen Morberry, Starberry, you know, uh, lens, right? We have these, these people that need to get involved in the sport and, you know, for, they, they just can't 
reach reach that barrier. So yeah, again, skating, right? Like the fact that to play hockey, you need skates, right? Like that is you know bare bare minimum. So the fact that they're so expensive in itself is is why there is such a barrier to entry. So I would I would love to uh, follow that up more and you know to hear more about how that advances. So definitely uh, keep us keep us posted on that. For sure. Yeah, where do you see the sport of hockey? in the next five to 10 years? And where do you see yourself in Swift hockey fitting into that? Um, yeah, so I've been working in this weird. I'm trying, I follow a lot of these big companies that have grown recently. Like uh, True Hockey is a pretty new company. So yeah. I'm trying to get, sign a lot of players that are on upcoming when they're only 16, 15 years old. And, Kind of push them on Swift Hockey so we can have the next minor with our brand. So, right. and I actually want to make a correction really quick too. I meant True, not Pure. I apologize. So it's a True. So you do know about that that brand and the skates. And what oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, <laughs> there is yeah. a Pure Hockey. That's the well, store. That's the store. <laughs> See, yep, and that's where I got my wires crossed. Uh, yeah. We're talking about stores, and then, um, so yeah, Pure Hockey is a store, and I actually am just um, as I mentioned as well. I'm gonna, I, I want to. Uh, do do my own groundwork, my own like we're trying to get that in, in the stores for you here. Yeah. But yes, the the those skates, the trues, um, I I'm a fan of those, uh, and I, I recommend you know everybody look into into that because yeah, democratizing hockey, that's how we're gonna do it, right? The fact that somebody doesn't have to feel uh, lesser than for for picking a skate that they can afford, right? Like you know why you been you asked it earlier today. Why do people buy sticks that are Two hundred more dollars in years when it's the exact same price. Well, it's because branding. They don't want to get made fun of. All that kind of stuff, right? That comes back to us as people, individuals, and society to stop that kind of behavior. Status symbol. Yeah, cut that out, right? Like you know, let people be. Not everybody's somebody's pocketbook does not again determine their character, right? Like we we know that, right? There's some of the most wealthy people in the world. I read a story today uh, about Tom Petters who. Uh, ran this incredibly lucrative Ponzi scheme. He defrauded friends and family out of $3 billion. And, you know, he's a rich guy, right? But, like, his he's in prison now, you know, for 50 years because his con- the content of his character was wrong. So just kind of, again, wanting to keep yeah. on putting that out there. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it, it, it's great to uh, make money. It's great to be a great athlete or to have these, you know, skills that people are, you know, find heavily sought after. But if you're not a good person on the inside, then that's not going to last for very long yeah exactly yeah uh so uh, what is your favorite hockey team we got a few more questions here before you leave we got to get some fun stuff in yeah for sure but um i'm I'm a big oilers fan okay oh yeah even out in the toronto area eh? (laughs) yeah but no no i'm i was the oilers fan before mcdavid though okay (laughs) so a true one you're not a bandwagoner huh yeah (laughs) Right, yeah, you got flashback to the Gretzky slash Battle of Alberta days, the good old 80s. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then, uh, you know, last question for me, and I think Coach, uh, you know, Kendall might might have a few other things for you, but what is the most valuable thing that you learned from the sport of hockey now on the back end of it? The most valuable thing is probably just to keep working to get to where – where you want to be because it's just it doesn't stop it doesn't you stop. just can't stop <laughs> as soon as you stop working then you're not you're not going to be successful yeah thank you i i really appreciate uh you know that and i think our viewers our <laughs> listeners are really going to appreciate that yeah for sure yeah i d- i just wanted to say you know again your story has been incredibly inspiring to hear you know someone else doing an you know pushing the movement forward in a different lane and um that you know we'll we'll continue to push your your brand here do everything we can to you know get the word out there we we work closely with like a youth youth hockey program so next time we need sticks we'll definitely uh put an order in for swift yeah for sure i appreciate that Okay, well, thank you so much, Zach. We appreciate you for coming in. We got Zechariah Thomas of Swift Hockey and the many, many other companies. Please, please check them out. If you know anybody that is looking to fund incredible enterprises, please send them Zechariah's way, and we cannot wait to have you back. Thank you so much, listeners, and please have a great day.
Yeah, for sure. I can do what I wanna and make you a believer. Here you say I from stadium to street corner. I make you a believer, make you say I.